have a big community here in the area where we're all uh, Dwaynesburg Central School alumni. Yep. And uh, so we've all reconnected after years of either being away or living here. And one guy in particular runs this site um, for all the DCS alumni. And obviously when we were renovating, we were getting a lot of interest with our sign up for probably four months. I had an opening soon sign on there <laughs> and people thought that opening soon meant opening. Oh, real yes, soon I mean, I, and I used to tell people it's all a matter of perspective what people opening soon is <laughs> they do <laughs> so one day I came back from some errands and all of a sudden I had two big mugs here nice. two, two big steins and I go well I, we'll have to put them up absolutely <laughs> it definitely goes with the decor well thanks thanks <laughs> <laughs> and hello there and welcome to episode 15 of stories from a bar I'm your host Chris Osborne and for this episode, I'm hanging out here at Back Barn Brewing Company in Dwaynesburg, New York, and I'm with Brenda Schwarm, the owner. How are you, Brenda? I'm really good. Thank you for uh, inviting us to do this. So appreciate you coming out here. Oh, absolutely. Actually, this is my first time here. Uh, a little bit of a drive. It takes probably about 30 to 40 minutes, depending on where I was coming from. But uh, I love the whole, it's an old barn, and I love the whole rusticness and the whole barn setup. It just looks fantastic. It's a lot of wood. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of work, but now in retrospect, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> you know how memory is. It, oh, it, yeah. The bad things fade away and uh, oh. the good things stay in mind. So it's been a real, uh, real kick to see this come to life. So I'm sure it has. Thanks for taking the time to hang out and talk with me. Are you drinking some coffee there? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing uh, a little day drinking. I started a little early. It's only about 1230 in the afternoon, but you know. And I am drinking the Skyline Ice Hop IPA, which is fantastic. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> we, we take pride in our good beers, and uh, that's one of the things we want to do here is make good beer and have some fun along the way. Excellent. So, like I said, thanks for taking the time. Secondly, <coughs> did you know, in a fun I'm coincidence, fine. today's National Beer Day? Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Sometimes I live in a cocoon. <laughs> I, well, I didn't know until about two days ago. Okay. So, happy National Beer Day. To and to you. you. and all the people out there. Yes. I should put that on the board here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't know this, but there, it's not even one of those random holidays like National Pajama Day or anything like that. Uh, apparently, there was a real story behind yes. National Beer Day. And I thought I did jot down some fun facts. Okay. So today's April 7th, we're recording this. It started in 1933. So this was still during Prohibition. In yes. Uh, it celebrates the day that the Colin-Harrison Act was enacted after having been signed into law by President Roosevelt. So really, it's when you look back at it, it's kind of the first big step, step into the downfall of Prohibition, which is great. It was a bill sponsored by Senator Pat Harrison and Representative Thomas H. Cullen during Prohibition. And it didn't even do anything major. What it did would basically change the definition of what an intoxicated, intoxicated drink was. Because <laughs> during Prohibition, everything, I think, was above basically 0 0.05 or 0.5. It was pretty low. Yes. It was very low. <laughs> and it changed that definition so that alcohol with content of 3.2% by weight and wine was now legal again. And of course people cheered and celebrated. Very much so. <laughs> and what's funny is be, they picked that because they thought it was not an intoxicating level. 
Obviously, people like to drink in quantity, though. Well, we we often think, well, what we're deciding and, and telling people is that New York State used to be a big hops region, oh, especially yeah. in this latitude, and um, uh, hugely uh, popular. And uh, two things dealt the death blow to hops in New York State, and, and they're now coming back thanks to the craft uh, brewing resurgence. But uh, a, a parasite started uh, the death of uh, hops here really? in New York State, and, and and then uh, Prohibition oh, yeah. dealt the final death blow. I didn't know there was a parasite, too. Interesting. Yeah, because that happened, so National Beer Day started in April 7, 1933, and of course Prohibition was still in effect until repeal day in December 5th of that year. So not to confuse the two, but happy National Beer Day. <laughs> to you. <laughs> not happy repeal day, that'll be in December. So, Brenda, tell me about yourself. What's your story? I know you're from the Duanesburg area here. Yeah, I grew up here. I went to uh, the schools here uh, after uh, graduating from Duanesburg school, uh, Central School. Uh, I went to uh, SUNY Oneonta okay. and graduated from there with uh, geology and, and, and environmental science. And uh, it was a time when there wasn't a lot of jobs. So... Um, the military seemed an interesting choice and uh, decided to join uh, um, the Air Force and went to officer training school and really thought that was a, a good opportunity and they took a lot of my math and technical training and uh, I started as a, uh, was trained sign- uh, extensively in the communications computer field. Oh, really? And, uh, and I did a lot of interesting things with communications computers and running things and uh, going on deployments and uh, interestingly enough I was in three of the major areas that the Air Force does business in both the strategic which is the supporting all of the nuclear stuff mm-hmm. I was stationed out in Omaha Nebraska at Offutt which is uh, home of the at the time home of, of the nuclear mission um, for uh, the United States and then um, got into tactical stuff where I always affectionately refer to uh, the military sent me to most of the armpits of the world, which... Does that include New Jersey? No, it does okay. not. <laughs> most of the armpits either Often included to either, either jungles or sand places. Oh, okay. Way off, but not really. <laughs> and then I also did engineering installation work, which is a... You, you construct things oh, wow. and deploy things and construct major wire projects on base and make sure all the installations go get all their electronics and communications equipment. So it's been interesting. It was interesting and fun. Wow. So from Dwaynesburg, go to school, go to high school. Did you go to Oneana before joining the military? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I've been to Oneana a few times. It's a lovely campus. It's beautiful oh, it's out there. beautiful. Yeah, and uh, I went to visit a friend once, and I remember going to class with them uh, just for fun. The teacher was just happened to be giving out like a pop quiz that day, and I ended up with a copy. So I wrote in, and of course it was short answer. So I filled in. I'll say a few random remarks, nothing obscene or anything <laughs> like that. Just some fun answers. In fact, I, I forgot what the question was. It may have been something history related, and I just wrote the fact that there's an answer to this question boggles my mind. 
And my paper ended up getting turned in with everyone else's. I didn't put my name on it. <laughs> and my friend called me a few days later and said they docked everyone in the class some points because they didn't know who did it. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> so that's a fun story I like to tell whenever Oneana comes up. Plus, no, I, I played three sports uh, there as well but that seemed to occupy a lot of my time, but it was fun. Volleyball, volleyball okay. basketball, and lacrosse. Oh, really? I was on one of the first women's lacrosse teams. Oh, wow. Was, <laughs> yeah, women can be pretty brutal out there. We don't wear the helmets and gloves. We, we go out there and really I have, uh, yeah, muscle each other around. A young cousin of mine, her name is Jordan, played lacrosse in high school and stuff. So I went to a couple of her games, and yeah, they, it's pretty physical. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, what did you study at Oneonta then? Uh, geology and uh, environmental science. Oh, wow. And what was the motivation behind picking those? I don't know. I always had, <laughs> I always had an interest in. Um, I probably would have picked something else if I had had the choice, but um, it, 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 there was an interest there, it, especially on the environmental side, um, which was in its beginning days. But uh, I probably would have picked something else if I had had a little more guidance. But it is what it is. So you finish at Oneana, decide to go into the military, and the motivation behind that was just tough finding a job? Really, um, Duanesburg's a small town, and, it and a des- desire... A rural, rural area. It, yeah, absolutely. I've been out here in a few years, mainly because there hasn't been... I live way on the other side of the county, so not much of a reason to head out. A, a desire to see the world, and... To get out of Duanesburg for however long, and that's not a bad thing because no. I came back. I did notice on my way here. I forgot there was a skydiving place out this way. There that, used to be. Oh, it's not there. Yeah, anymore. it's not here anymore. Oh, the signs are still up, so that was very yes. misleading. Yes, it is. Crush some of my hope. All right. Then you can go up to Saratoga. I think Saratoga. it's still good. So Saratoga. I need to get up to Saratoga. I've been up there in a while, either. Fun places up there. Of course, I, I used to see a lot of army guys, and I knew a lot of. I served in a lot of joint units, which means um, joint units being not just air force, but also army, navy, and and so I got to know all the other services. And the air force folks would always go, "Man, you know, not going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane." And uh, the the air, army guys are going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." jump out at 1,000 feet with a full 110-pound bag and they fall like rocks. See, I've been bungee jumping. I definitely want to try skydiving one day. I know my brother is going. Have fun. So you don't have the motivation to jump out of a plane? Once I did, uh, but I did not do it. I, I thought, well, that sounds fun. And then I decided not to do it. Were you on the plane and decided not to? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. I, I have to think further out than okay. that. Fair enough. No, it, which reminds me is uh, I was in Egypt and we were um, on training missions and um, with Egyptians and uh, the, some of those uh, special operations guys were like, they had to throw the, <laughs> nothing against Egyptians, but they had to throw the Egyptians out of the plane because they Too didn't want to jump. They didn't wow. want to jump. So they were just like physically throwing them out. They were hooked up, right? They're hooked up with the chute. You know, it's not, not like the chute's not going to open because there's a hook behind you uh-huh. and then you jump and the, it, it deploy, the chute deploys. But they were throwing the guys out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What's the like? 
I know. Well, my brother was in the entire Air Force, 22 or 23 years. I forget how long. And I know some of the places he went to. It's definitely involved a lot of sand, like Qatar and Saudi Arabia. He did not get to Egypt, though. So. Yeah, also a lot of sand. Yeah. <laughs> also a lot of sand. Um, fairly... Well, you go out to these places, and we would take all of our own... We'd take our power with us, with generators, and you, you essentially form your own small town out there. And what I did was part of deploying our communication system so that we could talk internally into the outside world. So um, it becomes a critical element. And, and so what I did, we used to say communications first in, last out. And that, that was true. And in fact, to tell a small war story, is that we're, we're, we were leaving Egypt and we were on one of the last C-141s and uh, the crew chief of the airplane, we had already loaded all of our final equipment on board the plane and he's going, oh man, the oil's low. And so I watched him get up on the wing and he's pouring oil in. I'm watching it pour right through the wing and I'm like, whoa that one engine's not really working great. And and they also, we didn't have any support base there to repair this equipment. So they were like, they finally made the decision to get out of there, get to Germany. And they put everything they could to get that plane off the ground. And I'm like, oh man, let's just get this baby to Germany. <laughs> well, clearly it must have made it because you're here today. Yes, true, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so took a little break and I now have a blankety blanc set right that is correct so what kind of beer is it's an original it's an original recipe from our brewmaster called Coolin and uh, it's a light crisp um, wheat beer um, when you think of a wheat beer, typically you think of a heavy beer, but this is uh, with the hops that we put in and the malt. It it almost gives it a, there's, there's a finish of Sauvignon Blanc because of the hops that we use. It's delightful. <laughs> it's our second most popular. Oh, oh, that's right. We were talking about this uh, before. What was the most popular? Uh, the Newman's uh, winter, winter ale slash brown ale. Well, it will become in the summertime, spring and summer and fall. It will be the uh, back barn brown. <laughs> Because you can't sell winter ale in the summer. I don't think so, but I could be proven wrong. <laughs> you never know. No. That's right. All right, so we were, we just landed in Germany. <laughs> did you come from a military family? When you no, I did war? not. Uh, my dad served in World War II for briefly. Uh, that was that, the, the generation that all went to war out of duty, duty on our country, which is all a good thing. Um, and uh, he served for uh, probably two years in World War II in the Navy uh, on, a, uh, on a ship. And, and his stories were always intriguing. But, uh, and part of that was the, the intrigue of his Navy stories and just seeing the military and knowing what they did, and I had some cousins that joined the U.S. Air Force, and I just thought, why not give it a go? And uh, I'm glad I did. Were your parents supportive when you decided? Well, I'll never forget the look of horror on my mother's face. <laughs> but she got over it quickly. <laughs> 
How long were you in the military? I know you're a retired lieutenant. Uh, tw- 23 years total. Yep. So what were, obviously, there's a lot of women that join the military now these days. What were some of the, I mean, what are some of the challenges? I don't know a lot of women that well, in the military. Well, probably when I joined, we weren't all that much of a percentage, um, especially in, um, we were probably... 15 to 20 percent of the military when okay, I yeah. when I was uh, it's actually higher than I would have thought well I could be wrong I, I could be wrong so um, but it seems like when I went through the technical school with uh, communications computer systems we had a fair amount of women so that's why I'm saying I think we had about 20 percent or so 15 to 20 okay. percent although when I went to this one joint communications unit in McDill Air Force Base, I was the first female officer that really? had been assigned there. Where's that base? McDill, in Tampa. Okay. McDill is in Tampa, Florida. And that was the one where I went to very interesting parts of the globe. <laughs> <laughs> my brother would give me some good stories, and I do remember when, during basic, my brother had a bit of an attitude problem when he joined the military, straight out of high school. And I believe he had to spend an extra week in basic, basically from alcohol. That will do it. Lovingly referred to cleaning the shit house. (laughs) (laughs) That will do it, definitely. So, where did you start uh, your Air Force career then? Did you go to basic? Well, uh, we, you go to officer training school in San Antonio. At the law, there's a Lackland uh, annex for the officers, and that's, um, gosh. 12 weeks maybe, 12 week school. And then uh, after that, they send you to a nine month school for communications computer training, oh, wow. which was pretty in depth. Is that some, is that a field you knew you wanted to get into when you joined or did it just sound interesting? It sounded interesting and intriguing. So <laughs> I did it. <laughs> a long way from brewing beer. That's right, that's right. But hey, change is the uh, essence of life. <laughs> It is. So you got a, I assume you got a chance to do a lot of traveling, of course, and you went to Egypt. Uh, what were some of your favorite places? Well, you can't, some, of, even some of the things you can't believe you had a chance to see. Well, Europe is just phenomenal. A kid coming from a small town and, uh, you know, in, in their 20s, seeing Europe for the first time is yeah. truly magical. I mean, to, I'm, I'm dying to get to Ireland just because I'm Irish and i got to visit the motherland at least once. Well, I just went to Ireland a few years ago for the first time, but to, to go to England and then Germany and, and uh, did some side trips to France, just truly phenomenal. But all, all of the trips, really, even to the Middle East, to Central America, it, it's you, you see things that, um, number one, make you proud to be an American. Yep. And you're glad to come back to America when you're done. <laughs> I, can, and, I can imagine you talk about travel, but you don't think of seeing any of the bad parts of Yeah, you see just uh, excruciating poverty and along in Central America particularly, I remember alongside of um, one of the air bases that was being stood up down there, families living in cardboard boxes and it it rips your heart out to to see that kind of poverty and and I know we have poverty here in, in the United States, but I think there's. It's, it, I feel like in America you think poverty, poverty, but there's different levels. Exactly. When you travel to third world areas or different countries. I mean, there's no plumbing. There's no electricity. You got people living alongside a road in a cardboard box next to an airbase. Can't be good. No, not at all. 
So you were in the Air Force for 22, 23 years? 23 years, yeah. At what, I'm always curious. I forgot. I know my brother just kept re-enlisting. At what point do you decide, I'm just going to stay here until I can retire from Well, I think early on. It, 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 was that your intention going in? or did you No, think not really. You were just going to do your yeah, four years or whatever it is? It wasn't my intention going in, but you, you get to a point you go, yeah, I, I get this. And as a part of... Uh, what you can do and the opportunities you have, you go okay. I can I can do this because the the benefits are nice. There's uh, no argument that uh, in addition to serving your country, which is a huge item, mm -hmm. it, it good benefits. Oh yeah, you can get a great education. You can if you stay in long enough to retire, you still retire early enough to really start a whole new career. Yes, as you you've done here with Back Barn Brewing. Yes. So you retire as lieutenant colonel after 22 years, uh, and you ended up in Northern Virginia, right, working for Project Yeah, for, yeah, for G General Dynamics. That's right. Um, How'd that come about? And, uh, well, you just... You, just you, you, transition you, straight into it? You meet people, you meet people, and you network. And I knew one particular guy who was in business development, and he goes, hey, you should look at General Dynamics. So, so I did. And... Uh, they, it was somewhat of a seamless transition, mm -hmm. somewhat. It's not like I did exactly the same things I did in the military, yep. but uh, I, I did business development. I did program management. I ran large acquisitions um, and proudly over time brought in a billion dollars worth of revenue to the company. So um, with the large programs, I mean, these yeah. are huge programs we were doing in the last big program um, one of the last big programs was we won the electronic camera uh, border on the south south uh, west border um, so that's why I'm a little stunned when we go into the physical walls because I know that the electronic uh, surveillance and the electronic systems are pretty extensive so um, so that, that was interesting, and uh, also one of the last things I did was um, we constructed a lot of the wireless towers for government and commercial commercial wireless industry, and uh, I think the last big program I did was we won part of the uh, onboard surveillance cameras for Carnival Cruise Lines. Oh, really? So that was kind of, uh, that was a fun that just sounds fun. Uh, yeah, that was a. Yeah, it's hard work because you have to make sure everything's right. But then you sit back and you go, "Yeah, that was kind of." Did fun. you get any free cruises? Out no, there? I did oh. not. <laughs> well, I would have tried to work that in somehow, or at least bring it up. Well, the guys that had to go out and install, they came back and said we did not have a good time. Oh, really? <laughs> they worked long, long hours. Uh, so, how long were you in West Virginia then? Um, or Northern Virginia. About 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, about 10 years. So at what point do you decide, presumably, so you worked in Northern Virginia, as I just went through three different thoughts and turned the, came back to my original one. <laughs> so you're working in Northern Virginia 10 years, presumably living a good life for the contractor. At what point do you think, you know what, I'm going back to Dwaynesburg to open a brewery? Well, I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, geez. And um, it kind of put a whole other perspective on my life. Oh, yeah, and um, it, for the first time in my life, I was like, 
wow, uh, you're kind of confronted with your mortality in a weird sense. And uh, even though I had world-class oncologists and radiation oncologists, um, you just wake up every morning putting one foot ahead of the other as you're going through chemo and radiation. And and as I was going through that, and, and fortunately, uh, my company allowed me to work remotely from home while I was going through the bulk of that treatment. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's it still is a um, kind of a life changing event. I have no So I said, "What do I want to do with the rest of my life?" And I go. I've always wanted to start like an agribusiness of some kind, mm-hmm. and um, uh, shortly after I was on the recovery from uh, from cancer, this this property went up to for sale. I had looked at these barns probably for a few decades. Uh, the, up the, the, yes, and the, the barns were always kind of magical sitting here right on Route 20 and... Did you ever sneak out as a kid and try to play in any of the barns? Well, we ha- I, I live on a farm, so okay. uh, I, I love barns. So and, that's kind of uh, what you love from barns. Yes. Okay. And it's particularly sad because I love history and it's particularly sad how a lot of the barns are going into the countryside, collapsing and... They, yeah. And we're losing a big part of our heritage with uh, losing the, the barns just uh, out of disrepair. So uh, these barns were particularly interesting to me forever. I probably would have said, wow, I wanted to make a house out of them. But then reality it hit. And I said, well, we need to maybe do something else with these barns. And I love craft beer. I've been going to craft breweries for many, many years. And I go, maybe I can do a craft brewery here. And uh, as I was going through cancer treatment as a way to occupy my mind, I was like, maybe we can do this, and maybe I can do this, and started putting together the the finances and making sure with my financial planner that I could indeed do this. And uh, that's how it all started to happen and, and fall into place. So as you're going through chemo treatments, decide to open, try and open a brewery. Right. Now... How did you develop a love of craft beer? Just going to places, different festivals. Yes, and and did you get involved in brewing yourself? A little bit, but um, I also know that there's an art and a science. Oh yeah. uh, With brewing, and that there's lots of guys out there, guys and gals that do it much much better than I could ever do it. But I bring the business side of things. I bring a, a vision of what I wanted in a brewery creating an experience here in, in a rural atmosphere. Um, we're going to be putting old farming implements up on the walls here. And, uh, because a lot of people haven't seen that stuff. A lot of people haven't seen the hand-hewn timbers. No, I, yeah, and, uh, I've been to a number of breweries, and this is the, really the first one I've been to that's actually from an old barn, in a barn, and it's fantastic. Well, thank you. And we've kept the structure even in the brewery. These are two barns in one, essentially. So uh, the brewery where the brew system is is an older barn. We think that's from the 1700s. And uh, we kept the, all, all of the timber structure in place. 
and here where we have the tap room is a second barn. We think that was rebuilt after a fire because some of the timbers don't match. When you look really look at it, you see that the, the timbers don't really match. But and when we were taking off, are these ones a little darker? No, not really. But when you we took off some of the exterior wood of the original barn. We noticed that there's a lot of singed timbers. Okay. So we really think somewhere along the line there was either a, a fire or something happened. So, what was the final pulling the trigger moment when you left Northern Virginia? Well, um, my folks were getting older and uh, and not in great health, and uh, decided to come back. And how are you? To upstate New York. I'm I'm fine. I've okay. I've been well. Thank you. And I've been cancer free now for five plus years. That's fantastic news. So. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the let's talk about that farm brewing. Awesome. So we talked about how you you grew up on a farm. You, this is a pretty rural area, so there's kind of barns all around. How uh, you came across your love of old barns and things like that. So tell me about Back Barn Brewing. Uh, first, how'd you settle on the name? Well, I, I, I went through a lot of names. And, <laughs> Is that and, one of the and, hardest and parts? I think so. And and you have to go through a lot of names that, that can be trademarked. We are in the, we, we've gotten conditional approval for our trademark. I, all I have to do is send in some photographs of uh, beer and glasses and uh, our chalkboards and <laughs> using Back Barn in some of Just our advertisements that we are in use and, and use using Back Barn uh, Brewing Company. So um, it's also something that we used to, on the farm I grew up on, we'd go, well, geez, you know, that's in the back barn, or that's, uh, oh, I have to head to the back barn to get this item or that item. And um, I, I just thought it was a, kind of an interesting name to uh, bring about that that feeling of... Um, of having people come to a barn and enjoy brews and uh, the name kind of very quickly grew on me nice. and uh, once I realized it was available I got a, an attorney involved to help trademark it. There you go, you <laughs> gotta jump on that right, right away. Absolutely. Talking a little earlier, you guys have only been open probably about six weeks officially. I feel like it's been longer because I found out there was an article in the local paper maybe last August. August, like yes. So how's business been since you guys have opened? Business has been very good. I'm very happy with the support of the local community, of the Capital District area. We're on the Cap Capital Craft Beverage Trail in addition to Schenectady Ale Trail. And uh, between our, our local community, uh, the Capital District, and a fair amount of tourism, we're very, very happy. It's it's indicative that business plans. Uh, if you re do the right research on your business plans, uh, you, you're okay. <laughs> and you actually you bought the property back in 2015. But yes. not only the barn, 53 acres all over yes. here. Yes. That, wow, that's a lot of land. Y yes. <laughs> but we're going to be doing some uh, improvements here very quickly uh, with. Uh, because unfortunately, people, if we have a big event here, people are parking on Route 20. Do uh, not, I do not like that. It's yeah. not safe. We're going to be expanding our parking Which, right out here. For anyone that doesn't know, Route 20 is just a two-lane road running right 
front of the barn. And it's a fairly busy road. Yes. So we're going to be expanding our parking and then also doing uh, an outdoor patio area. So we're pretty excited about that. That sounds great. That'll be really nice, especially what are the, what's the timetable on the patio area? Um, well, timetable first for the parking is oh, yeah, in a couple weeks. Is a couple weeks we're going to start breaking ground for that, and that's really a pretty quick effort. And then shortly after that, I'd say by early May, we're going to be working on the patio. I've got a couple of folks working on some designs right now, and we're going through those and laying out the final plans. So, pretty exciting. Obviously, I mean, Dwaynesburg, and I've touched on this a little bit, pretty rural area. What did you think made this a great spot to open a brewery instead of, we're kind of, we're really on the outskirts of Disconnected County. A lot of people try to open stuff in Albany, Troy, more downtown Schenectady. Well, I knew we were on the main road and, and, and a lot of traffic. And I did look up some traffic statistics. But I think more importantly, I had gone to some in Northern Virginia and other places where breweries were in more remote areas. Some were so remote, I sometimes had difficulty finding them in Northern Virginia. And, and you're talking something maybe 30 miles from the center of D.C. And as you're heading out in, in the western part of Northern Virginia, and these places were doing a fair amount of business on the weekends. And I was like, well, yeah, we can make this work. All you need is a good product. Blankety Blanc is delicious. Well, thank you. <laughs> and and with that, you know, it was a merger of love of barns and love of beer. Yeah. And uh, very simply, you go, wow, in the, in the process of making great beer, we can also show people a little bit about what our ancestors did with craftsmanship. And uh, that's why we designed it this way. We used the, all of the bar is from reclaimed materials. Um, Real of, rustic feel. Yeah, all the, a lot of the wood on the walls is from the barn, barns, either from the exterior or the interior. And um, it's it's just been, in retrospect now, it's been fun. You know, I, while I was doing, I gotta tell you, it was a lot of hard days and... You go through it, but now that you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Exactly. And for, and to try to gauge the age of the barn, we're talking... 1800, mid-1800s for this barn. The brewery barn is probably 1700s. 1750s is what I read in yeah. that general area. We've been really told pre that, yeah. War. Yeah. So over 260 years, parts of this barn have been raised, which is kind of mind-blowing to think about it, that it was able to remain to that point. Yeah, and the previous owner really uh, did a great service to these barns by putting on a new roof and that helped save the barns uh, otherwise we would not be probably sitting here <laughs> what kind of condition was it in when you bought it well um they were good but we had to replace a lot of the lower beams okay um we had to raise the barns up um about eight feet off the ground which was i've got some photos that i need to put up on the walls because really it was a mind-blowing uh, it was a mind-blowing um, logistical and engineering feat to bring up both these barns all together and uh, about eight feet so we could put um, 
frost walls and then ultimately the concrete floors under them because they were a dirt floor. So, um, so, yeah, it's not dirt now. Oh, it's not. And it's it's going to last another 150, 200 years. <laughs> and we've, we've brought it up to code, fully up to code. You know, How tough see. was that to do? Did you know anything about renovating old buildings or barns going into it? Not a lot. Um, but that's just me. I just kind of dive in with both feet and start figuring out what I need to do. And, and then I had some contractors. I essentially acted as my own architect, probably against good advice, but acted as my own uh, architect. I drew the designs up myself and on graph paper, and, and I clearly had a vision of what I wanted to do. And then I bought a big, off Amazon, I bought a big construction book because uh, some contractors are always like, using different terminology to describe things and I'm like so I'd go home at night and study the construction manual and figure out what they were talking about yeah absolutely <laughs> so what were some of the big challenges of turning the, getting the place basically up to code there like turning it into a program I think it was just I, I wasn't prepared for all of the various steps of essentially making this into a bringing it up to 21st century code but the biggest challenge was the septic system and, and, and getting that approved and, and really the big challenge there it was kind of a two-step process with getting that approved with we're pretty close to a beaver pond which is a New York State protected um, wetland. I was going to bring that up in a little bit. Yeah, so so that's one challenge, and and so that caused us to relocate our leach field. Second challenge is is that New York State, rightly so, DEC has figured out that uh, beer waste um, from the brewery systems does not do well in leach fields, and so they tend to. This was, I didn't know this either. A lot of people don't. A lot it's of fun a, surprises. Yeah, exactly. And that the, the brewery uh, waste will essentially crash a leach field in probably six months to a year. Oh, wow. That seems quick. Exactly. So there's, so New York State is, is I think, being, they're being prudent. Uh, I'm not, even though it was a huge delay, they're, they're being absolutely prudent in in making sure that we're doing things environmentally correct. That's super important. So if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice before you jump in full heartedly, what would that have been? Wow. Find a way to hide the beavers? <laughs> no, no. Um, Gosh, a lot of people told me I should have knocked down the barns and started all over again. But I like history too much, and I like barns too much. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I th I don't think I would have done too many things differently. I, I early on I got some interesting advice that I don't think was. Uh, in everybody's best interest really being mine. I'm, I am the sole owner. I made the decision um, a long time ago to be sole owner. Uh, a lot of that was from working in big organizations for my other careers, but I wanted to do this on my own. And um, that, that was really important to me. But I, I probably would not have taken the advice that I, some of the advice I got early on 
yeah. and not that that from close people I knew. People and, that, well, let me ask this: Are those people that had any knowledge of breweries or trying to run one? Or no, not really. <laughs> how, how good could their advice have been? I, I know, I know. Even though you know, like uh, I know, I, I I did get some. I went out to. Uh, I attended a workshop out in Fort Collins, yep. and uh, how was that? It was, out in Colorado. It, it was awesome. It was with uh, Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine. They sponsored a week long uh, workshop on on uh, forming uh, a lot of different aspects of forming a brewery and um, at the same time I went uh, attended the uh, Portland State University online certificate program for the business of craft brewing invaluable it was really invaluable definitely a lot more colleges that are kind of implementing a program or something like that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, University of Vermont has one and uh, Portland Even State University. Schenectady County Community College just started one within the last year or two. Yes. But these really concentrated on the business side of a craft okay. uh, of craft brewing, which totally invaluable. Just awesome program. It's not something, it's funny, it's the business side isn't the first thing that ever comes to mind for people is like, yeah, I want to open a brewery. I just want to make beer and drink, basically. So it is really valuable. Why don't you go out of business real quick? Well, and I have a good relationship, excellent relationship with my uh, brewmaster, and and we talk about both the business side of of a craft brewery as well as the beer-making side. Obviously, there's a lot of overlap, integration, but they're both inter- intricate. There's a lot of intricacies with both aspects of that, and we've had uh, several long talks. How it would be very difficult for one person to take on both, being a uh, handle both aspects of brewing the beer and running the business. Um, it's two totally different skills. Absolutely. So come back to Dwayneberg. You open the brewery. Town's never had a brewery or anything like that before. How much did you have to do any convincing with the town to get the place open? Well, before I went to the town board, I did hear a few things to say they're never going to let you do this, Brenda, and and those are fighting words to me. <laughs> so, so um, I, I compiled all the paperwork I needed for the town, went forward to the town board. They couldn't have been more supportive. They uh, did everything possible. Uh, this was exactly, in, in their words, this was exactly the kind of business that they wanted to see here, uh, being a rural-type nature. Uh, so what they did was pass an agribusiness law here in Duanesburg. Just for you? To, to, not just for me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, but for breweries, wineries, and okay. and even meaderies, because we do have a meadery here yeah. in in, uh, in So it, it was really that kind of a real nice thing to see that, happen. That wow, they they are being supportive. Uh, they they want to see small businesses like this succeed. And kind of in, very interesting and 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 very grateful that the, the town supported me then I went to the planning board and they were also very supportive so uh, I have nothing but good words yes they could have and uh, but I'm very grateful and thankful that uh, they were supportive of, of the, the vision and the concept and and now the reality 
So let's talk about beavers. Sure. <laughs> Love beavers. And I say that because the serving board for the flights of beer you guys dish out are in the shape of beaver tails. Yes. Inspired by the beaver farms, right? Yes. Which is behind the barn, right? Yes. Uh, yes, to the north of the barn. <laughs> I I like to always, you know, when you when you're when you're given lemons, you got to make lemonade. So um, that was part of my my crazy thinking and uh, to say what can we do and how can we make a, a beer flight and have a little bit of either whimsy or humor involved in that so uh, I think that's a brilliant idea so, so I came uh, I, I approached a, a good friend of mine who loves to woodwork and I said uh, would you would you do these for me and uh, he goes well let's do a design and of course I'll do them for you and and so we both worked on a design together I had to send photo I'd give him the dimensions of everything from the, the holes in the board to uh, the beaver design and I, I think they came out pretty good some people call them pineapples but they are beaver flights <laughs> to make that clear <laughs> they're beaver tail flights <laughs> So you, you mentioned earlier you are actually the sole owner of this. Did you know when you decided to open the brewery that there was no other brewery in the state solely owned by a woman? I did not know that. I, I don't uh, seek. Yeah, I, I don't seek that kind of stuff out. I'm I'm very happy. Just is there a sense of pride? That that's okay? Well, able to pull it off? there's a sense of pride that I was able to pull off the my own business and that. The day we opened, and I saw all of the people in here, and I stood at the entranceway, and I saw the people in here having a great time, drinking beer, and and, and the comments I received, and seeing my vision turn into such reality was such a positive kick in the pants that I, I can't describe to people. I, I had to... I had to hold back tears because it was no, it, I, it was it was really just a mind blowing experience to see you, you dream about something so long and 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 to see it turn into reality exactly how I had planned it on paper exactly how I had dreamt of it really and it's not being the sole owner of this or that I I don't. I'm not. Most people know me. I don't go into titles like that, but or or labels. But it, to to create something by myself is such a dream. And and quite honestly, a lot of people said, "Well, why did you do this? You could go on a beach anywhere, and you could do this or do that." And I go, the reality is, and this is maybe the cancer connection is is why I decided to do it after I got diagnosed with cancer is that I didn't want to be laying with my last breath in, in this life saying I wish I had done this wish I had started my own business no one wants to be there and 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 that's the soul it was one of the driving forces to wanting to do something like this to say yeah I could do this, and and now I can say, yeah, I did and that's this. That's great motivation just for living life in general. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. I know you got a live band coming in soon, so we'll try to plow through the rest okay. of this. First off, tell me about your brewer, Klaus. Yeah, Klaus Kuhlen. Uh, he came from a large commercial brewery here in the capital region, 
and uh, he started to look for another challenge. He's also been. A, uh, I love the name Klaus, by the way. He's also been a home brewer for 25 plus years with a one barrel system in his basement. Very experienced. Um, Bill Newman, uh, we were both uh, mutual friends of Bill Newman, who's a early craft brewing legend here in the Capital District and na nationally. And um, so independently we knew Bill Newman and Bill brought us together this past summer. And immediate connection, immediate connection on uh, our outlook, mm -hmm. our outlook of making great beer, and the second outlook of having fun while you while you are making great craft so more beer. Possible? Absolutely, because you can uh, maybe. I wanted a team you could have fun with, and uh, along this long process, you realize that there's some people that you might not have fun with. So you, you really got to say, hey, how, how can I keep this energy going that, that you want and the reason you're doing this? And it really comes down to two, those two simple facts of having fun and making great craft beer and how do we keep doing that and so so with that Klaus and I um, have developed a very good friendship and and uh, working relationship of, of keeping those principles alive and uh, what we're doing here and and the business that we're seeing and the traffic that we're seeing um, is proving that out so tell me about the beers that are uh, people can expect to find on Well, we started with four beers, uh, actually five beers, because uh, we had a collaboration with Wolf Hollow for the start of Schenectady Beer Week. So um, we, we did, uh, we have Blanc de Blanc, which you're, you're which drinking. Which I can't say enough of at the moment. It's a very nice, light, crisp beer. Very delightful. Uh, our second biggest uh, seller. We also have a German uh, Dunkelweiss on uh, with all New York State grown beers. We call it Scary Wheat because um, it's really a takeoff Scary because it is Scary Wheat. Which is and we scary, love scary, of course, in another town in the area for everyone that doesn't know. So we are um, a farm brewery and we're using uh, maximum uh, New York State products in our beer with malt and hops. And uh, we have your first stout coming out. Yes, uh, to Wednesday. Wednesday this we have Shenanigans Stout uh, on tap. Nice dark Irish um, stout. Uh, we're pretty excited about it. Then um, we've got two IPAs uh, on on tap. One is a, sh a session IPA. But they're both West Coast style, largely. Session IPA is uh, a little less hoppy than our ice hop. Uh, IPA. Which was the first one I had and that was really yeah. good too. And we're getting ready to do a New England style IPA as well as an Irish red and we are also trying to do an amber. Um, uh, probably this spring I would like to do an amber um, recipe and and that one is just particularly I, I told uh, Klaus I go if we I want to have sole naming rights for that one because we're going to call it Bee's Classic Amber and uh, you, B can stand for anything you want to stand for, whether back barn or my name or I do whatever. Want a question for you. I want to yeah. throw out a potential new beer name. Okay. Filthy Paw. Filthy Paw? Filthy Paw. Okay. I don't care if it's IPA, Paleo, I like that. Filthy Paw. You like it? Yes. I'm, I'm trying to pitch this to someone. I want someone to do it. 
It's in honor of my late beagle, Keith Eastwood, because he would always look at one paw and it looked a little filthy, so we started calling him a filthy paw. I like it. Fantastic. <laughs> Keep that in mind when you need to name it. Another. I will. We're going to. Uh, there's a couple other names, too. Um, one's Damn the Beavers. And, uh, <laughs> I also recommend Slap and Tickle, but I feel like that may not be the appropriate place. Filthy Paw is a definite possibility. Fantastic. But, uh, yes. but, uh, no one's taken me up on it yet. You could be the first. <laughs> and we like a little bit of humor in our names. Um, and there's some seriousness, but uh, for the Amber, Bees Classic Amber is going to be um, a subname of Bees Classic Amber. And it's also going to be Beating Cancer's Ass. And we're going to give pro- like uh, proceeds to Good. cancer Good. research. I want to wrap up with a little thing I'm calling questions of randomness. Okay. <laughs> we like those. These I did not forward along with the notes I sent you. But I thought it would be, it's, actually it's just something I thought of this morning. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Probably strength. I'd like to be like a, a Super superman or superwoman. Right. <laughs> See, I always go with teleportation just so I can be anywhere at any time. <laughs> Uh, if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Which animal? Yes. Probably a beaver. <laughs> See, I thought about and it's funny, I came across this question, and then I knew I already had a question to ask you about the beavers. I feel like they'd be jerks, but in a more prankish type of way. Well, you know, they've got these big teeth, and they... they I feel like they would, they'd be practical jokers of the animal community. Cats jumped to my mind first. Oh, I love people. cats. <laughs> But beavers, they, they come in and kind of take over. <laughs> and I feel like, and of course, hyenas are better real jerks, too. <laughs> Ostriches. Know, there's quite a few, really, if I think about it. That's a good question. <laughs> it is, I thought it was. And lastly, this question spurned a lot of debate in my office and out. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Wow, that was quick. A hot dog is a hot dog. And I've heard that question <laughs> debated before. Even we just got to laugh and one of the band members said enough to see. Even though it's between two slices of bread, it's a roll. It, see, it's I really like, a roll. I like to take the opinion of the opposite of whoever I'm talking to. So, I mean, it's still meat between bread. What's your definition of a sandwich, though? Just meat between bread? Well, it can also be cheese between bread or vegetables between bread. So just because the bread is connected as a roll. It's just that a hot dog is unique. <laughs> hot dog. I know no one goes dog. to a restaurant and orders, I'll have the hot dog sandwich, please. That's right. But still, the fact that the bread is connected should have. Well, that's what the whole so, argument seems to be based on. So then the question is, is a hamburger question? Is, is, is a, a sandwich. Is a sandwich? It's a hamburger sandwich. I don't think so. <laughs> Hamburg's a hamburger. <laughs> Even though I'm not a black and white type of person, decision-wise, that definitely is in the gray area. But <laughs> okay. hamburger's a hamburger, it's, hot dog's a hot it's dog. The, but it's in the gray area. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll, we'll finish on that note for <laughs> any hot dog lovers out there. So that's going to do it for this episode of Stories from Bar. Big thank you, Brenda Schwarm, for hanging out with me. Thank you, Chris. Here at Bar- Back Barn Brewing. Uh, it's a fantastic place. I recommend definitely checking it out if you're ever in the Dwaynesburg area or heading to your way to Cooperstown. Absolutely. Because it's really on the way. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for, like I said, having some beers. You have an amazing story. Thank you for your service, by the way. Thank for you. Retirement from the military, beating cancer, opening your own brewery. It's fantastic. Amazing. Uh, a big thank you to everyone out there for checking out the show. You can catch stories from a bar on Facebook, of course, and follow it on Twitter and Instagram. 
Be sure also to follow Back Barn Brewing on Facebook. Check out their website and Instagram. Keep tabs on everything they have going on. Uh, they got a lot of good stuff coming up. They have some live music today. They got a little stage going on. Let me ask you this. How did you consider the social media aspect of promoting your business when you went to open it? How difficult is that for you? Well, my sales and marketing director is uh, a millennial, which <laughs> is definitely needed. Very helpful. And very helpful. It's a, it's a tough balance trying to advertise the podcast when I don't want to be on my phone all the time. And, uh, and it's a needed element. I knew, really I knew it's, it was needed. So it helps to have someone that understands it. millennials are good for something. Oh, they're, they're great for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, be sure to check out Backfire. Diversity on, makes the world go around. Absolutely. On Facebook and Instagram, keep tabs on them. And of course, you can find the show on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. So be sure to subscribe. And even more importantly, leave a fantastic review. And spread the word. So until next time, cheers.